Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, and they do it with mirrors. Where Miss Marple senses danger when she visits a friend living in a Victorian mansion, which doubles as a rehab center for delinquents. Her fears are confirmed when a youth fires a revolver at an administrator. Neither is injured, but a mysterious visitor is less fortunate, shot dead simultaneously in another part of the building. Pure coincidence? Miss Marple thinks not. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. because I had been told that my old school friend Carrie Louise was in danger. Christian Gulbranson, her stepson, had come to Stony Gates to warn her husband, Louis Serracold, that she was being slowly and deliberately poisoned. And then Gulbranson had been murdered. It seemed that the poisoner and the murderer must be one and the same person, but which of Carrie Louise's beloved family was trying to lay hands on her considerable fortune? We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's They Do It With Mirrors. Well, Miss Marple, I've been having a word with Superintendent Blackett at the yard, and he tells me that you're not quite what you seem. Apparently, you're rather an old hand at the murder business. I must admit that I have rather more than a nodding acquaintance, yes. (laughs) So I'd like to have your opinion. Who should we be concentrating on, the granddaughter's American husband. Oh, that would certainly be very convenient for everybody. I lost my best girl to a yank during the war, so (laughs) maybe I'm biased. Who do you think has been secretly poisoning Mrs. Serracold? Well, human nature being what it is, one is always inclined to think of the husband. But in this case, I cannot seriously consider Mr. Serracold... He really is devoted to Carrie Louise. He doesn't make a show of it. It's very quiet, but it's very genuine. He loves his wife, and I'm certain he would never dream of poisoning her. To say nothing of the fact that he wouldn't have any motive for doing so. She's made over her money to him already. I am really afraid we shall have to wash him out. Hmm. Regrettable, isn't it? And anyway, he couldn't have killed Gulbranson. He was locked in the study with Edgar Lawson. Quite. We've got to concentrate on the people who did have an opportunity, and our prize suspect is Walter Hudd. He left the hall very shortly after Gulbranson went to his room. That blasted switch is always playing up. I'll go and fix the fuse. He could easily have contrived that, and the fuse box is in the kitchen passage which opens off the main corridor just across from Gulbranson's room. He was, he was perfectly placed to commit the crime. And who is suspect number two? Alex Resterick. 
who was alone in his car on the road between the lodge and the house at the time Gulbranson was shot and who took far too long getting here. I'm sorry I'm so late. There was a lot of fog on the road. Anybody else? Ah, that's where you come in. You were in the hall at the time. You can tell me who left it. I agree that I ought to be able to tell you, but all our attention was concentrated on Mr. Serracold, locked in the study with that wild young man. I'm going to have my revenge. Revenge for all you've done to me. He was shouting out the most terrible things. We could hear them quite plainly. And what with that and the lights fusing... I didn't really notice anything else. You mean that while all that was going on, anybody could have slipped out of the hall and along the corridor, shot Goldbranson and slipped back in again? It would have been quite possible. Could you say definitely that any of the people in the hall were there for the whole time? Mrs. Seracold certainly was, because I was watching her. It surprised me, you know, how she managed to remain so calm. And the others? Miss Belliver went out, but I'm almost certain that was after we heard the shot. As for Mildred Street, I simply don't know. She was sitting behind me, you see. Gina was over by the far window, but again, I can't be certain she was there for the whole time. Stephen Resterick was at the piano, but he stopped playing when the shouting began, and he could easily have crept away. It was so dark, you see. So we can only safely rule out Mrs. Seracold in the hall and Mr. Seracold and Edgar Lawson in the study. Uh, it's very unfortunate that Paul Branson should be shot on the same evening as the schmozzle between Seracold and Lawson. Simply unfortunate, do you think? How do you mean, Miss Marple? It occurred to me that it might have been contrived. Contrived? In what way? Well, everybody seems to think it very odd that Edgar should quite suddenly have a relapse, so to speak. He has this complex, or whatever you call it, about his unknown father, Winston Churchill or whoever. Suppose that somebody put it into his head that Louis Seracold is really his father. In his weak mental state, he'll work himself into a frenzy and make the kind of scene he did make. What a wonderful cover that would be. Especially if someone has thoughtfully supplied him with a revolver. Walter Hudd. It was his revolver. Funny how everything points to him. I must have been away from the hall repairing that fuse for around ten minutes. The fuse box is in an awkward place. I had to get steps and a candle. And this revolver of yours, where do you keep it? In the drawer of the desk in my room. Who knew that you kept it then? I wouldn't have any idea who knows what in this crazy place. The drawer wasn't locked, nor was my room. So when you'd fix the fuse and come back to the hall, was everybody else there? Gina was there, and the old lady with white hair, and Miss Belliver, I think. Uh, I didn't notice particularly. Mr. Hudd, do you have any idea who might have shot Christian Gulbranson? One of the bright boys from the college, practicing his technique? No, we've established that no one could have broken out of there after dark. I wouldn't put it past them. But if you want someone nearer home, what about Alex Resterick? Why him? He had the opportunity. And why should he kill Gulbranson? The Resterick brothers depend for everything on the Saracolds. Maybe old Gulbranson had heard something nasty about Alex and was going to tell them. With what results? They might have cut off the money supply. 
Alex gets through a good deal of it, by all accounts. On his theatrical enterprises. Is that what he calls them? What do you mean by that? Oh, nothing much. Alex Resterick makes a great song and dance about art. But my guess would be that all he's really interested in is money and things that don't belong to him. I don't expect you to believe me, Inspector. I'm just telling you what happened. While I was driving from the lodge towards the house, I suddenly noticed the effect of the headlights on the swirling fog. It was magical and, by an extraordinary coincidence, exactly the kind of thing I was planning for my next production. And then, on top of that, the shots and the running footsteps. Well, it was sheer... You heard shots? Where? Out of the fog, Inspector. It didn't occur to you that anything was wrong? I told you I was thinking about the play. It could have been anything. A, a lorry backfiring on the main road, a poacher shooting rabbits. They mostly snare rabbits round here. How many shots? I don't know. Two or three? Two close together. I do remember that. And these running footsteps, where were they? Somewhere near the house. That would imply that the murderer of Christian Gulbranson came from outside. Of course. You're surely not suggesting he was killed by one of the family. How often do you come down here, Mr. Westrick? Uh, it varies. Sometimes not for several weeks, but I try to get to Stony Gates when I can. It's my true home, you see. Mrs. Seracold has encouraged you to think that. What I owe Mrs. Seracold can never be repaid. Sympathy, understanding, affection. And quite a lot of hard cash, I imagine. Has she ever spoken to you about her will? Certainly, but what's that got to do with anything? There's nothing wrong with her, is there? I see you're not wearing mourning, Mrs. Hull. I haven't got any. And anyway, Christian wasn't really a relation. He was my grandmother's stepson. You were in the Great Hall last night when the encounter between Mr. Seracold and Mr. Lawson took place. Oh, yes, it was quite fantastic. And it was Wally's revolver. I would never have believed that Edgar would have had the guts to pinch it out of his room. Uh, were you alarmed when they went into the study and Edgar Lawson locked the door? Oh, no, I loved it. It was all such ham, you know, so madly theatrical. Everything Edgar does is always ridiculous. One can't take him seriously for a moment. Who was in the hall while all this was going on? Oh, we all were. Not all, Mrs. Hard. People went in and out. Your husband, for instance. Yes, he went to see to the lights. Wally's great at fixing things. During his absence, a shot was heard, I understand. A shot that you all thought came from the park. I don't remember that. Oh, yes. It was just after the lights had come on again, and Wally had come back. Of course, all that business about Alex Resterick hearing running footsteps needs to be taken with a large pinch of salt, a way of diverting attention away from himself, if I'm not much mistaken. Yes, although I suppose one must allow for the mind of the creative artist. Mm, he thinks a lot of himself, does that young man. <laughs> so does his brother Stephen. He admitted to me that he takes more than a passing interest in Gina Hudd and that he expected her marriage to break up before long. One of those war affairs, was how he put it. And Gina Hudd? What did you gather from her? Not a lot. But she did go out of her way to mention that her husband returned from fixing the lights before the shot was heard. Oh, but that is not the case. He did not return until just before Mr. Seracold unlocked the study door. 
It suggests a greater degree of loyalty to her husband than one might have expected. Perhaps the marriage isn't so near to breakdown as Stephen Westerick hopes. But I'd better be getting back to the house. Mrs. Street has been kicking up a rumpus because I haven't talked to her yet. I should have thought I'd have been the first person you would have interviewed. Christian was my brother, after all. I'm very sorry, Mrs. Street, but you see, we always start with the less important evidence. Get it out of the way, so to speak. It's essential to keep to the last someone upon whose judgment we can rely. Oh, I see. After all, you are the daughter of the house, and you can tell me all about the people who are in it. I can certainly do that. So, you see, when we come to the question of who killed Christian Goldbranson, we particularly need your help. But surely it's perfectly obvious who killed my brother, that odious husband of Gina's. He's the only stranger here. But why should he want to kill Mr. Goldbranson? Because Christian had found out something criminal about him. He saw Walter Hudd when he was here a month ago, and perhaps he made inquiries about him in the United States. Naturally, he had agents all over the world, and discovered what kind of man he really is. Anyway, Christian came back here to show Walter up for what he is, and Walter shot him. It could be, yes. You see, Walter had to prevent Gina from learning the truth about him. After all, she's his bread and butter. When my mother dies, a very large fortune will come to Gina. Your mother isn't very strong, is she? Well, my mother has always been delicate. You haven't noticed any change for the worse in her health lately? She suffers from rheumatism. But then most people have something wrong with them as they get older. I've no sympathy with persons who make a fuss over inevitable aches and pains. Does Mrs. Serracold make a fuss? She does not make a fuss, but she enjoys being made a fuss of. My stepfather is far too solicitous. And as for Miss Belliver, she makes herself ridiculous. There's one thing I don't quite understand about the set-up here, and that's the position of the two Resterick brothers. Oh, it's just foolish sentiment. Their father married my poor mother for her money, bringing into the family two sons from a previous marriage. Two years later, he ran away with a Yugoslavian singer of notorious morals, and since it was manifestly impossible for the boys to spend their holidays with her, my mother more or less adopted them. They've been hanging on here ever since. And they both stand to benefit from Mrs. Serracold's death. Yes, they do. But why are you harping on about my mother? It's my brother who's been murdered. My mother may be growing old, and naturally it won't... Death but... will come at its appointed time, but not ahead of it, Mrs. Street. That's what we have to prevent. Then if I were you, Inspector, I'd begin by locking up that young man who tried to kill my stepfather. He's not safe to be allowed out loose. I know that what I did was very wrong, making that terrible scene and shooting off that pistol. If I've got to be had up for that, I'll come with you whenever you wish. I'll plead guilty. No charge has been made against you. According to Mr. Serracold, the shots you fired at him were an accident. He's a good, kind man. He's done everything for me. What made you act as you did, Mr. Lawson? I made a fool of myself. So it seems. You told Mr. Serracold that you had discovered he was your real father. Is that true? No. Well, who put the idea into your head? Did someone suggest it to you? Well, it, it's a bit hard to explain. Suppose you have a try. Well, you see, I had a rather hard time as a kid. Yes? The other boys took it out on me because I hadn't got a father. He was a foreign seaman, I believe. So when I went to a new school, I started to make up a few things. 
said my father was an admiral and so on. And then, later, I used to stay at hotels and told a lot of silly lies about being a fighter pilot in the war. I didn't really intend to get money by it. It was just that I wanted to make people think a bit more of me. And was this when Mr. Serracold came on the scene? He said he needed a secretary to help him. And I did help him. I really did. Only the others were always laughing at me. What others? Gina treated me like dirt. She'd lead me on and then make fun of me. And Mrs. Street looked down on me for not being a gentleman. So did Miss Belliver. And what's she? Just a paid companion. Why was this? Why did they take it out on you? It was because of me being a bastard. So you appropriated one or two famous fathers. I always seem to be telling lies. And finally you said Mr. Seracolt was your father. Because that would stop them once and for all. But, but then you accused him of being your enemy. I know. There are times when I don't get things quite right. I get muddled. And you took that revolver from Walter Hudd's room. Did I? Is that where I got it? Don't you remember? I couldn't have got hold of it any other way, could I? Well, somebody might have given it to you. Is that how it happened? I was so worked up. I walked about the garden in a red mist of rage. I thought people were spying on me, watching me, trying to hound me down. Even that nice white-haired old lady. I can't understand it all now. I don't remember where I was or what I was doing half the time. Surely you must remember who told you Mr. Seracolt was your father. Nobody told me. It just came to me. It looks as if you were right, Miss Marple. I'll swear that someone put him up to the idea that Seracold was his father and steered him in the direction of Walter Hudd's revolver. But he gave no indication of whom it might have been. Uh, on the one hand, he says it was his idea, and then he tells me he can't remember. But at least we are one step further forward. My sergeant found the murder weapon, a small automatic pistol. Where was it? It was in the music stool by the piano in the Great Hall. Where Stephen Resterick was sitting just before the murder. Ten to one, that's why it was put there. But I'm not jumping to any conclusions. Look, Miss Marple, I need to talk to Mrs. Seracold. But I can't just barge in. Could you find out if she's up to seeing me? I'll be ready for him in a few minutes, Jane. Oh, Jolly has been fussing me so. And Gina creeps about as if I were at death's door. I don't think people realise that tragedies like Christian's death are much less shocking to someone old. Because by then one knows how little anything really matters in this world. But Christian was murdered. And you think that does matter? Don't you? Not to Christian. It matters, of course, to whoever murdered him. Have you any idea who did? No, I have absolutely no idea. I can't even think of a reason. It must have been something to do with his having been here before, just over a month ago, because otherwise I don't think he would have come here suddenly again for no particular reason. Whatever it was must have started off then. I've thought and I've thought, but I, I can't remember anything unusual. Who was here at that time? Oh, the same people who are here now. And Ruth was here. Ruth? <laughs> a usual flying visit. You're all keeping something from me, aren't you? Why do you say that? Because you all are, even Lewis. He came in while I was having my breakfast. And he drank some of my coffee and even had a bite of toast and marmalade. And it, 
It's so unlike him because he always has tea and can't abide marmalade. He must have had his mind on something else, and I, I suppose he'd forgotten to have his breakfast. What are you thinking about, Carrie Louise? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about Gina, and what you said about Stephen being in love with her. Oh. Girls like Gina need to kick up their heels a bit. Well, they're young and they like to feel their power. It's natural, really. And it's so very important that Gina should be happy. It's important, I suppose, that everyone should be happy. Oh, yes, but, but Gina's a very special case. When we adopted her mother, Pippa, we felt it was an experiment that simply had to succeed. You, you see, Jane, Pippa's mother... What about her? Ah, yes, I I'm sorry. Eric and I agreed we should never tell anyone. I would like to know. Even Pippa didn't know it. Know what? This isn't just idle curiosity. I really, well, I need to know. I can hold my tongue, Carrie Louise. Oh, you could always be trusted to keep secrets, Jane. Pippa's mother was Catherine Ellsworthy. The woman who poisoned her husband with arsenic? Yes. She was hanged? Yes. And Pippa was her daughter. Eric and I were determined to give the child a fresh start in life, with all the love and care that a child needs. And we succeeded. Pippa was the sweetest, happiest creature imaginable. Thank you for telling me, Carrie Louise. <laughs> and now I'm ready for Inspector Curry. Perhaps you could ask him if he'd be kind enough to come up to my sitting room. He won't mind, I'm sure. The point on which I'd be especially grateful for your help, Mrs. Seracold, is this. During the row between your husband and Lawson in the study, were you aware of anyone leaving the hall? Wally had already gone to see about the lights. Miss Belliver went out shortly afterwards to get something, but I can't remember what. Did anybody else leave the hall? Nobody, as far as I know. <laughs> but would you know, Mrs. Seracold? No, I don't think I should. You were completely absorbed in what you could hear going on in the study. Yes, Inspector, I was. And you were apprehensive about what might happen? No, I wouldn't say that. I didn't think that anything would happen, you see. But Lawson had a revolver. Yes. And was threatening your husband with it. Yes, but he didn't mean it. <laughs> you can't possibly be sure of that, Mrs. Seracol. But, but I was. He was putting on an act. Edgar's only a boy. He was being melodramatic and silly and fancying himself as a, a bold, desperate character. Seeing himself as the wronged hero in a romantic story. I was quite sure he'd never fire the revolver. But he did fire it, Mrs. Seracold. I expect it went off by accident. But what I can't understand is what could have provoked it all. He'd been so very much better, really practically normal. Indeed, he always seemed normal to me. That revolver he had, he presumably took from Walter Hudd's room. But I'd like you to take a look at this. Have you ever seen this automatic pistol before? No, I don't think so. No. We found it in the piano stool. It had been fired quite recently. It is almost certainly the weapon with which Mr. Goldbranson was shot. And it was in the piano stool, you say? Under some old music. And you remember who was at the piano last night? Stephen. 
he was playing. Oh, he was just strumming very softly, a funny, melancholy little tune. And when did he stop playing, Mrs. Serracold? I don't know. Did he get up from the piano during the quarrel? I don't know. I've no idea what he was doing. Not until he came over to the study door to try to fit a key into the lock. Can you think of any reason why Stephen Resterick should shoot Mr. Gulbranson? None whatsoever. I don't believe he did. Gulbranson might have found out something discreditable about him. It seems very unlikely. You see, Inspector Stephen just isn't that kind of person. There are no dark secrets in our family and certainly nothing that could lead to murder. Grandam, darling, are you all right? You haven't been bullied or given a third degree or anything. Of course not, Gina. What ideas you have. Now, you mustn't tire yourself, Carrie Louise. Oh, Jane, you're getting as fussy as the rest of them. I've got all your letters here and a parcel. Well, bring them into the library. I'll deal with them there. Do you always get quite so many letters? They must take up half your day. Oh, I don't handle all of them. The ones from the boys' relations I hand over to the college staff. I do deal with all the begging letters, though. I can't possibly leave them to Lewis. Oh, why don't you open the parcel, Grandam? I always open the parcels first. Oh, you're such a child, Gina. Very well. Oh, oh, someone must know it's my birthday soon. It's very pretty paper. Oh, chocolates! Aren't oh. you lucky? Here's a card. With love from Alex. How odd of him to send me a box of chocolates by post when he was coming here. They look absolutely scrumptious. Look, mm. Grandam, they're your favourite Kirsch ones. Oh, so there are. Just a minute, Carrie Louise. I, I was just going to offer one to Gina. Well, not just yet. Is Alex about the house? Do you know Gina? Yes. He was in the hall a moment ago. I'll call him. Alex! Alex! I, I don't understand. What? What's this all about, Jane? What is it? Oh, Madonna, darling. I didn't realise you'd come down. How are you feeling? Carrie Louise wants to thank you for the chocolates. What chocolates? Oh, these chocolates. But I never sent you any chocolates, darling. The box has got your card on it. Oh, very odd. I certainly didn't send them. I think perhaps Inspector Curry ought to take a look, just to be on the safe side. Yes, these ones here have certainly been tampered with. There's a slight line on the underside, as if they'd been slit open. Oh. We'll get them analysed, but I don't think there's much doubt as to what we shall find. It seems incredible. Anyone in the house might have been poisoned. No, not anyone, Inspector. Gina said that these are the Kirsch-flavoured ones, Carrie Louise's favourites. So whoever did this must be someone who is close to her, a member of the family circle. If that's the case, Miss Marple, we can no longer risk not telling her. Mrs. Serracold will have to know what is going on. She must be put on her guard. Is it really true, Jane? I'm afraid so, my dear. I've always thought I knew what was real and what wasn't. <laughs> this doesn't seem real, but it is. So I may be wrong everywhere. But who could possibly want to do such a thing to me? It seems that Christian suspected something of the sort. He told Louis so. Oh, and that explains it. Explains what? Why he was not at all his usual self. It was as though he was always on the point of saying something and then not saying it. 
Why not tell me? It's so much simpler just to say it straight out. He didn't want to cause you pain. I just cannot believe any of it. Edgar shooting at Lewis. Gina and Stephen having an affair. And now this, this ridiculous box of poisoned chocolates. It can't be true, Jane. It just can't be true. In part four of Agatha Christie's They Do It With Mirrors, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Carrie Louise, Ursula Howells, Inspector Curry, Keith Barron. Mildred Street, Natasha Pine, Gina Hudd, Rebecca Lacey, Walter Hudd, Stephen Lucas, Alex Resterick, Nick Waring, Edgar Lawson, Rhys Meredith. They Do It With Mirrors is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell, and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>